y'all, how many of y'all doubted uh, we'd get all the chairs in here? Raise your hand. Be honest. God's going to kill you if you lie. Come on now. How many of y'all thought the tent looked small? Raise your hand. All right, we have a picture of Brother Dustin when everybody was doubting him. Where's Brother Dustin? Is he in the house? All right. Now, this is Brother Dustin when everybody was doubting him. And this is Brother Dustin today when all the chairs fit. <laughs> the moral to this story is never doubt the administrator. Amen? Let's all stand. Everybody stand. Find 10 people you don't know. Greet them. Shake their hand. Let them know you're glad to see them here tonight. your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter number one, James chapter number one, and we're going to read uh, just a few verses, probably eight verses here tonight, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and do a little study. I, I'm, I'm going to play a little video too, kind of to go with what we're doing. Uh, how many of y'all like the song, uh, Farther Along We'll Know All About It? Uh, there, there is so much truth to that song that we, we, we're, we're going to go through trials. We're going to go through problems. We're going to go through, uh, just hard, difficult things here on this earth. And, uh, and, and I'm glad to know that farther along, we will know all about it. It will make sense. It will, uh, make a difference. And, and, and tonight might be a little weird cause it's all sounding weird to me and it's going to, you know, you get used to the way things are and we're going to adjust and do everything we can tonight. And, uh, and, and try to get ready for Sunday. Amen? Amen? All right, James chapter number 1 in verse number 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Now, we know those words. I gave you the definitions in your notes. Divers means various in character, different. Temptation means adversity. This is not... This is not temptations to sin. In other words, I'm enticing you to do something wrong. This is talking about problems. This is talking about adversities. This is talking about obstacles that you're going to face in your life. He says, count it all joy when you have problems. Now, <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, how many of y'all know that that sounds like easy preaching but hard living? Count it all joy when your car tears up. Count it all joy when you can't seem to get along with your spouse. Count it all joy uh, when, when the bill comes and you don't have money to pay it. Count it all joy. What? He says, he says, because knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh, what's that word? Patience. patience. But let patience have her perfect work. In other words, it's doing something. That ye may be perfect and entire. Now, we know that doesn't mean without issue without sin it means complete or mature wanting nothing lacking nothing if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of god that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him but let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed for let not that man think he shall receive anything of the lord a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now let's read verse number two again. Let's read verse number two again. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers' temptations. Read it again. All right. The 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 subject as a whole or the theme of this book is grow up. 
grow up. We, we heard that last week. We, we got kind of the foundation or the intro to this book. Uh, and, and now we're going to go into the details. But he is trying to help us grow up. And the first thing he deals with is growing pains. Growing pains and problems. Tempted and tried. All right? That's what I want to talk about tonight. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, watch a short video and then we'll, we'll begin the study. Are you all with me? Say amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for an opportunity to come out and study your word and, and, and be in this place. And, Lord, worship you. God, I pray that you'll just uh, meet every need. I pray that you'll fix every problem. I pray as we adjust and, and we get ready for Sunday, I pray that you'll just do whatever's necessary, uh, Lord, so we can uh, grow closer to you, we can move closer in our walk, and, Lord, that we can truly grow up and learn and be what you'd have us to be. Bless us now tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. A dive into the Chesapeake into what turned out to be shallow water left an active young teenager paralyzed and questioning God. Johnny Erickson Tata has used her handicap to minister to thousands the world over through her books, recordings, and speaking. She has become a well-known and accomplished artist whose paintings inspire and encourage because the beauty of her spirit is reflected on the canvas. What a taste of heaven this has been today for all of us I know. When we were singing earlier and the Holy Spirit moved us all to rise and stand to our feet, dear Uncle Doug Holden, he had been sitting next to me and kind of empathizing with my sitting downness. And he turned to me and said, Honey, I'm sorry, I just got to stand up. <laughs> and I said, Uncle Doug, I know how you feel because I'm standing up on the inside. And when we were singing earlier those couple of marvelous tunes about heaven, I was watching beautiful Babby wave her hands in the air so gracefully. And I, and I tried to get mine up. <laughs> and I can't get them up much higher than this because my arms are paralyzed. Um, pretty good shoulders I have, and I can shrug pretty good, but that's about as high up as they get. But isn't it wonderful to know that one day on. the eyes of the blind will be opened yes. and the ears of the deaf unstopped, and those who can't speak will shout for joy, and the lame shall leap like deer. I get so mad sometimes these days at everything that's so politically correct. That beautiful old hymn, O Four Thousand Tongues, Hear him ye deaf, his praise ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold your Savior come, and leap ye lame for joy. You know, they've taken that out of the hymnals these days. It's just not politically correct to talk about persons with disabilities as being lame or those who cannot speak as quote being dumb but being disabled in this wheelchair paralyzed for almost 30 years I can't wait for the day when those eyes will be open and all my friends who cannot speak dumb as though their tongues might be will be loosed and the first word they will say thank you Jesus for the grace Father alone will know all about it. Okay. Father 
everybody in this room, I would dare say there's not a one of us in this room that have not gone through a sickness or a problem and a hurt. And we've had our days that we thought we might as well throw our hands up and quit. Couldn't have been as severe as Johnny's. Surely not. But when we see Jesus coming in glory, when he comes from his home in the sky, Johnny, there will join him in that bright city. And we'll understand stuff right there. Amen. You say, why'd you play that? Because I wanted to hear it. Amen. How many times have you gone through issues and gone through problems and you say, why me? I'm going to raise my hand first. Why me? Why me? Why me? You know, there's an old saying, why why, why do good people have to go through bad things? But you know, if the truth be known, according to the Bible, the Bible says there is none good. There is none righteous, no, not one. You know, we are all in a place that, that we face trials and temptations, and, and, and I, 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 I'm just at a place where I'm, I'm sometimes I, I wonder, what next? What next? And, and don't ever say that because there's always a what next, amen? But why do we go through these problems? Why does a loving God allow his children to go through problems? and go through adversity. I, there were times when I was growing up as a kid and, and going to school, I could not understand why my parents forced me to go through the torture of school. Say amen. <laughs> All it was was problem solving. I mean, it got, and I thought to myself, that's, what, you know, that's where the math thing comes in together. I got enough problems in my life, and all they're doing is giving me more. Amen? But why would they do that? Same reason God allows us to go through what we go through. And here James is trying to encourage you. First, he says something that sounds like it's an impossible thing. And it sounds like he's, it's almost like he's mocking, you know, hey, when you have a problem, you ought to rejoice. And I'm like, man, I want to just punch him in the face, amen? <laughs> rejoice, really? But then he, then he tells us how to do it. Then he begins to explain and, and, and tells us what we need to know so that we can do that. So we can rejoice when we go through problems. So we can rejoice when we face difficulties. So we can actually get what we need to get from these issues. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. 
Look in verse number, look in verse number two. Look in verse number two. There's really four things we're going to talk about today. Uh, the first thing he deals with is the trials. Next week, Lord's willing, if we finish this one up tonight, we're going to deal with temptations. Trials, trials, you got to get this. Trials come from the outside. Temptations really come from the inside. You know, we say, oh, but that billboard tempted me. No, that, that billboard just stirred up something that was already on the inside of you. And we're going to talk about that more next week. But let's, let's deal with our trials. Let's deal with our problems. What does he say to do? There's basically four words that, that mean something. The first word we find in verse number two. My brethren, count. Say that word with me. Count. Count it all joy when ye fall into divers' temptations. Now, we know the word count means to evaluate, but this is the way I want you to, this is the way I want you to put this in your mind. I was talking with somebody today about this particular phrase, this particular word, and when he says count, this is what I want you to think. Think of it this way. This is what James is saying. When you're going through trials, I want you to think of it this way. Think of it this way. Say that with me. Think of it this way. That's the word count. I want you to think of it this way. He says, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Look at this word. Two things I want you to see when it comes to this first word, count. First is the word expect. Write that down. Write that down in your notes. I, I, I forgot to ask people who needed a lesson. Did anybody need a lesson? Did we have some extra lessons back there? Raise your hand real high if you need a lesson. I'm so sorry. I usually do that. Over in the back right here. Right here, Brother Johnny, over here in the back, right here in the front. Here we go. Make sure. Raise them real high so they can see them, and they'll run like the wind. Over here, Brother Johnny. Here, I got that one. All right. Will, help me with that right there. There you go. There we go. All right. Look what the Word says. Verse number 2. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. What's the next word? Help me now. Count it all joy. When? When? Not if not if he it, this is not a matter of if we're going to face it if we're going to deal with problems if we're going to deal with issues if there are things going to go wrong if we're going to have hey when when do you know the things that usually knock me out of kilter most often anything is the ones i'm not looking for Amen. the ones that catch me by surprise the ones that, the ones that, uh, uh, Harry Houdini, Harry Houdini, you know, the escape artist, the, 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 that guy who could get out of handcuffs and get out of uh, 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 caskets and all kind of stuff, this guy, he had a standing bet and wager that, that he could take any man's punch, any man's punch. He would allow any man to take a swing and hit him in the bread basket there, and, and he bet he could take any man's punch. Well, he was in a dressing room one day, and after one of his shows, I couldn't remember whether it was after or before one of his shows, I think it was right after one of his shows, and, and, and someone came into the dressing room and was going to take him up on his wager, and he turned around, and before he could tighten up his stomach, he hit him right in the bread basket, and he eventually died because of the complications of the wound he received from that punch. He took everybody's punch, no matter how big, no matter how strong. He took everybody's punch except the one he wasn't expecting. Do you know where Satan gets us? Where we're not expecting him. Satan always gets us where we're not expecting him. The trials of life, the problems of life, the ones that always get us are the ones we don't see coming. Are y'all with me? Say amen. God tells us to expect trials. It's not if, it's when. The believer who expects his Christian life to be easy is in for shock. Jesus warned his disciples, in this world ye shall have tribulation. Paul told his converts that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. We cannot always expect everything to go our way. Say amen. Now watch. Some trials come simply because we're human. What does that mean? Sickness, accidents, disappointments, even tragedies. They happen to everybody. Why? Because of the curse. When, when man sinned in the garden, God put a curse upon this earth. We are living in a curse-filled world, a cursed society. We live, ladies and gentlemen, we live in cursed bodies. That's why many of us, our eyesight's going bad. 
Our bodies stop, stop working right and stop functioning right. Why? Uh, cancer, anything you can imagine, diabetes, all of these things come from the curse. And some things take place in people's life just because we're human. But then others take place because uh, they are following the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter emphasizes this in his first letter. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Satan fights us, the world opposes us, and this makes life a battle. I just read today where a young couple, a young uh, pregnant mother, her and her husband was burned alive in Pakistan for their faith in Jesus Christ. Four children burned alive. Now, what are you saying about that? I'm saying this, the trial of your faith. The trial of your faith. We will face things. We will face flat tires because we're human. We will face issues because it's just part of life. It's part of the curse. It's part of the things we have to deal with. But there's going to come a time that we will have to stand for our faith. In our country right now, I am seeing things. I am, uh, listen, I, I, was reading, I was reading people's comments and people's posts about uh, uh, hypocrite Christians who are against the homosexual agenda and the homosexual lifestyle and, and various other things. And I'm reading things that I never dreamed in a million years, 10 years ago. I'd, I'd even hear come out of people's mouths. And it's just going to get worse. If you stand for Christ, if you stand for this word, things are going to get worse difficult i'm not telling you if i'm telling you when and let me tell you what's what's really crippling so many churches and so many christians is because we don't i i think and i say we i don't mean we we i mean me we <laughs> we leaders we pastors we evangelists we make this thing way too easy we make it, make it to a point where, hey, hey, just come to Christ. And, 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 and there's such a fine line because you can come to Christ. He has made it easy to come to him. Whosoever will, let him come. But I'm telling you, when you come to him, there is going to be there's going to be issues that take place in your life because now you are a threat to Satan. Now the world will oppose you, and it's going to be hell on earth, and it's going to be a fight. And I'm afraid too many, too many Christians uh, are, are, are meaning well and they listen to false teachers who tell them you're going to have a great life here on this earth. Everything's going to be peaches and cream. Everything's going to be smooth. You're always going to be prosperous. You're always going to be successful. You're always going to be in health. And that's just not so. How do you justify that with Job? How do you justify that with the 12 disciples, all of them being martyred except John? And he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. How do, you, how, do you, how do you justify that with a trail of, listen, the, 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 the martyrs of all time from, from the beginning of the early church to where we are today? And I'm afraid that we have put this out there. And when it comes time to sacrifice, when it comes time to suffer, wait a minute, whoa, 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 I didn't sign up for that. I just signed up for the train to glory. Well, there's a lot of tunnels on that rail. There's a lot of hills to climb. And we need to understand that trials are coming. They are part of the Christian life. We need to expect them. How do we, count? How do we have the right attitude? How do we have the right attitude? Uh, how many of y'all know, how many y'all know you, you, you can't necessarily control what happens to you, but you can control your attitude about it? Has that ever dawned on you? The only thing we can control is our attitude and and what he is saying here he says when you go to them trials have a good attitude have a good attitude because your attitude remember the old, the old cliche your attitude will determine your altitude your outlook will determine the outcome how are you going to respond to this for instance for instance uh, uh, two, two sons were raised in the same family, an alcoholic's family. The one son turned into an alcoholic. He, they was at, he was asked, why did you turn into an alcoholic? He said, well, it's obvious. My father was an alcoholic. I was destined to become an alcoholic. The second son was clean, never took a drop of liquor, never took a drop of alcohol. They said, how are you, how are you sober? How are you taking a stand to, 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 to abstain from alcohol? He said, well, it's obvious. I grew up in an alcoholic's home. I didn't want to be that. Two different responses to the same issue. 
We cannot blame everybody else for our issues, but we can. We can control how we respond to them. Preacher, I'm doing this because so-and-so did that. That does not control how you respond to this. Jesus was being nailed to a cross, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's saying, count. Have a good attitude. How do we have a good attitude? By expecting it. Hey, when we know it's coming, when we expect it, listen, B, we need to evaluate. We need to evaluate. The word count is a financial term. It means to evaluate. This is so good. This is going to help so many people tonight. Paul used it several times in Philippians chapter number 3. Why don't we turn over there while we, since it's Bible study, why don't we read some Bible? Ephesians, Philippians is right before James there. If, uh, Philippians chapter number 3. <clears throat> Look what he says. Now, now keep in mind, keep in mind, we all know all the, the tribulations that Paul went through and all the, how he was tried to, he, he, people tried to kill him several times. He was beaten with rods several times and, and uh, he was shipwrecked and he was stoned and, uh, 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 and stoned as in throw rocks at. Let me clarify that. Amen. Everybody understand that? All these states voting to legalize it. I need to clarify what I'm saying. Amen. He was stoned and left for dead. But, but, but you got to understand that Paul was a very wealthy man. Paul was very high in the, in the society of his day. He had, he had everything you could ever imagine. Now watch what he says in Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 7. Have you found your spot? Say amen. But what things were gained, in other words, everything I thought was important to me, everything that, that I considered important, everything that mattered to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost. He said not just the things that are important, just everything. Everything. I, I reevaluated my life, and I found out there was nothing as important as Jesus. He said, I've counted all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Everything I had, I, I lost. Everything that was important to me, everything that mattered to me, all of my, all of my popularity, all of my fame, all of my power, all of my prestige, all of my money, he said, but you know what? Compared to Christ, it's garbage. It's dung. It's manure. It's not even anything. So what, what, is he saying? what is he saying here in this verse? He's saying you need to evaluate your priorities. You need to evaluate your life. When you fall into these diverse temptations, he said you need to do an evaluation. When Paul became a Christian, he evaluated his life and set new goals and priorities. Things that were once important to him became garbage in the light of his experience with Christ. When we face the now get this, when we face the trials of life, we must evaluate them in the light of what God is doing for us. Did y'all catch that? In other words, when we when we see what we're going through, we need to look at it this way. You remember what we said earlier? Look at it as what is God going to do with me in this? What is God trying to get out of my life through this situation? What is God trying to put in my life in this situation? How is God trying to make me more Christ-like through this situation? Are y'all with me? Say amen. This explains, this explains why the dedicated Christian can have joy in the midst of trials. Oh, here we go. He lives for the things that matter most. Even our Lord was able to endure the cross because of the joy that was set before him. Our values determine our evaluations. Now, it's fixing to get a little tight right here, guys. If we comfort more, uh, if we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. Underline that. If we value, see, it's, it's all in what's important to you. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and the physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we only live for the present and forget the future, then trials will make us bitter, not 
better. What is, what, is a, what, is a, what is a significant characteristic of an immature person? They want it now. You know why, you know why the credit card industry has just exploded and gone crazy and making billions of dollars and then becoming rich and all of us becoming poor? Because they have capitalized on the characteristic of immature people who have to have everything now. And we don't think about the future. We think about the present. When we go buy a car, we don't think about the total price. What's it going to cost me now? What is the monthly? Oh, it's only, it's only $150, preacher. Yeah, but it's for the rest of your life. Are y'all with me? Oh, but this is what it costs a month. Yeah, but when you calculate it up, by the time you get through paying for it, you could have bought five. But I want it now. I want it now. And see, when we think about the now, we, we, we're going we're gonna to have real problem with trials. We're going to have real problems with obstacles in our life because all we think about is I'm hurting right now. Yeah, but if you can get through this, you're going to be fixed you're going to be fixed for life. But, 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 but I, is this making sense? And what Paul realized, there's things that's more important. I have to reevaluate. You know what, what some of us really need to do when we go home now? We need to start reevaluating what's important to us. We need to start reevaluating priorities in our life. Oh, but preacher, we got a, 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 I mean, we make a whole lot more money in this job here, but you never see each other because the shift's your own, and now your marriage is falling apart. So tell me, what's more important? Is it that money you're making? So what are you going to spend that money on if you, if, you, if you lose her? Or him, or whoever. Are y'all with me? Here's a problem with priorities. We're not, we're not thinking about what's important. Oh, but preacher, I, I, I've got this or I've got, but what about, what about the long term? How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember two weeks ago when we put the lines up on the screen? And everybody's living for in between these two lines. And nobody's investing for eternity. And wasn't the line on eternity a whole lot longer than the line here on this earth? Paul said, I tell you what, I had fame, I had money, I had popularity, I had it all. But you know what? In the big scheme of things, when I evaluated everything, that wasn't important anymore. But knowing Christ and having Christ in my life, that's going to change everything. So that when you do go through that difficulty, you will value the difficulty, not just the relief of getting out of it. Does that make sense? Boy, this is going to be a good series right here. I can tell. Listen. All right. I, I got to give you a little break. I get, I get that that's hard. I do. I do. I do. I don't want to rejoice. I don't want to say, whoo, Hallelujah. I'm hurting so bad I can't hardly walk today. This is wonderful. God bless. Amen. So how do we do it? How do we evaluate it in a way that changes how we respond and what we get out of these lessons we're taking? The second word. He says, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you go through these different trials and difficulties and hardships, obstacles. Verse 3, what's that first word? Knowing. Knowing this, that the trying or the testing of your faith worketh. All right? The second word, the first word was what? Tell me the first word. Count. First word. Count. Some of y'all need to learn how to count. Amen. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Number one, the first word. Count. Number two. No. What do we need to know? What do we need to know? What does it say in this verse? Knowing this. He says, count it all joy by knowing this. If we know this, 
then we'll be more able to count it all joy, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Write this down. A, always remember. You see, first is the right attitude. This has to do with the right understanding. There's some things we need to understand. There's some things we need to know. First, our faith will always be tested. Our faith will always be tested. Always, 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 always. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't, think, I don't care how much of the Bible you think you know. Your, te- your, your faith is going to constantly be tested. Abraham's faith was tested in the beginning. He said, I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything you have, everything you know. I want you to leave it and go to a place I'm going to tell you. Man, he passed the test. Flying colors. I'm talking about he got up immediately and went. He made a mistake. He took Joe with him. He shouldn't have done that, but he did. And now he's, he gets to Canaan. Isn't this wonderful? I passed the test. I had a test of faith. This is wonderful. First thing that took place when he got to Canaan, a famine. Famine. Now, we don't understand the concept of famine because we can go right down the street and we can pick five different places we can eat at. And not everybody, not everybody can go do that, but most everybody can. I Probably 95% of everybody in here can do that. And if not, we do have some semblance of some kind of food at the house or you have a way to get it. A famine, they didn't have anything. I mean, this was a major, major deal. Cattle would die. People would die. They would starve to death. If there was any way that I'm going to leave this world, I don't want to starve to death. Say amen. So what does he do? He leaves where God told him to go and goes to Egypt. God didn't tell him to do that. Sounded, sounded logical. I mean, hey, there's no food here. Let's go where they are. Guess what happened? When he got to Egypt, started lying about his wife. You know, he said, listen, you're a hottie, and they're going to kill me to get you, so just tell them I'm your brother. Boy, he's a man, isn't he? And listen, God protected them. God protected them and got on to him, straightened him out, said, you need to get back where I showed you. So basically, he failed that test. He goes back. He goes back and honors God. And, and, and you see, throughout the life of Abraham, he's constantly being tested. He was tested by the kings when they came into Sodom and Gomorrah and, and took captive Lot, his nephew, he was tested and had to fight a battle there. He was tested when he had to present his own son, his beloved son, the apple of his eye, the greatest thing in the world to him. He had to take him up to that mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. Y'all know what I'm talking about? What are you saying? I'm saying all throughout Abraham's life, his faith was being tested. Say, so, preacher, I just come out of a great test. Well, guess what? Get ready for the next one. Because there's always going to be a test. You have to get tested. There are so many teachers in here. There's a bunch of teachers in here. You give your students information. Then you test them because you need to see what they know. Now, here's the difference between you and God. You need to find out what they know so you know what to do next. God already knows what we know. He wants us to know it. The test we go through reveals in us what we truly have and how strong or weak our faith really is. And so when we go through these tests and when we go through these trials and we go through these obstacles, then it shows us, you know what? I wasn't what I thought I was. Are y'all with me? So keep in mind, know this. Know this. The moment you get saved, you begin a journey. Really, you begin a fight. You begin a battle. You begin a battle against Satan. You begin a battle against yourself. Listen, that's one of the biggest enemies. I find, I find that my biggest problem is me. And we'll talk about that next week with temptation. But you do. You fight against your own flesh. You fight against Satan. You fight against this world and society and the culture that we live in. This culture is so sex-saturated and sex-crazy. Everywhere you turn, it don't matter what you look, they're trying to push that down your throat. And we wonder why we're having the problems we're having today. It's a fight. It's a fight. And every day, you need to understand, God's going to test my faith. God's going to test my faith with problems. God's going to test my faith with issues. My, te- my faith will be tested. B, 
be. But the good thing is, testing works for us, not against us. Testing, testing works for us, not against us. The trials of life work for the believer, not against him. Paul said in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good. Say amen right there. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Now, sometimes it feels like it's eternity. Amen? What we're facing, what we're going through, our fears, our struggles. But he says it's just for a moment. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Trials rightly used help us to what? Now, watch. What does God want to produce in our life? The moment we get saved, the moment we get saved, hey, let's, let's, compare, let's compare salvation to what God compares it to, a new birth, a new birth. When the, when the, when the birth announcements go out, this, this is a big thing now, you know, reveal parties and stuff, busting open a cake or letting balloons come out of a box and all that. It's just, I mean, Pinterest has caused men to spend a lot of money. Say amen. I believe that's of the devil and all the men said and the cowards wouldn't agree amen you cowards but the moment the moment this baby arrives the parents the grandparents here's what they here's what they envision and they dream this little baby growing up and this little baby uh, listen uh, 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 learning how to ride a bicycle and this little baby, uh, no, we don't think about driving cars. Say amen right there. Hey, this, look, for the guy, for the guy, if it's his son, he's imagining his son running down the football field, crossing, making the game-winning touchdown. We envision these babies to have a full and productive life and to mature and to grow and to develop. And guess what? The moment you got saved, God was sitting on the banister of heaven thinking the same thing. God was imagining you growing and becoming a mature Christian, growing and developing in strength and not staying a spiritual baby. Do you know what would happen if all these in here were these little bitty babies? And they're so sweet and kind and nice and, and they just love them little babies and I'm, I'm glad they have them and, and, and take them home, say amen. I'm done. Lord, have mercy. What would happen if they stayed little? We'd go to a specialist. Listen, I remember when the first baby, first baby we had, we had four, and that first one, I, I remember, I remember when they said, "Do, do you want to feed her?" And, and Tammy said, "Bring her here. I'll take care of that. I'll handle that." Don't. By the fourth one, no, you keep her down there. I'm, I'm sleeping. It's all good. Uh, baby, am I telling the truth? Hey, I'm not in trouble tonight, boys. I'm telling the God's truth right now. Are y'all with me? I mean, when them, when them babies are little, something's wrong. If there's a situation, what do we do? We want to call a specialist. We'll call Children's Hospital. We'll, I, I remember, I ought not admit this, but I'm going to. Uh I remember when I remember when uh, when uh, Kenzie she had her surgery on her foot the first one, and uh, they had to cut her Achilles tendon and uh, do all kind of bone work and all this kind of stuff. Well, she got up in the middle of the night and and hit her foot and it was just I mean she was screaming. It was she said she heard it pop and I thought oh she has popped that Achilles tendon. I'm freaking out, man. I'm telling you it's like three o'clock in the morning and I called a surgeon, and I got him too. <laughs> I did. I did. I was talking to him, and he said, I assure you, if it's still in that cast, she did not pop for it. And, but he was kind, thank God. He was merciful to me. But I'm telling you, we're going to get this. Something's wrong. And see, if a baby stays a baby, something's wrong. And you let me tell you what's happening in churches all over America. We're staying babies. And one of the reasons we're staying babies is we don't want trouble we don't want obstacles we don't want to have to struggle and, and, and so we're not growing up 
That's why, that's why you as a parent, you let that child explore. You let that child fall and scrape their elbow. You let, hey, hey it's, it's, it's part of life. And God says you need these things. Y'all have heard me say this illustration before. That, that, that clock don't mean anything to me. Y'all got to fix that clock. It just says overtime, so I don't know what, what time, whatever. Listen, here, here's the deal. Do you remember? Do you remember the illustration about the uh, the cocoon and the butterfly, and and how the scientists they were doing research and 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 and, and that that butterfly is fighting to get out of that cocoon and struggling to get out of that cocoon. So the scientists just cut the cocoon open, and the butterfly fell out of the cocoon, and it died. It died. I mean, he helped it. He cut it out and made it easy for it, and it died. And he learned later that the struggle is what built the muscles that made it possible for the butterfly to be the butterfly. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. If God constantly makes it easy on us, we'll never grow strong enough to fly. Are you all with me? Listen. Testing works for us. We're going to go through these issues. God wants to develop patience, endurance, uh, the ability to keep going when they're tough. We glory in tribulations also, knowing that the tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. In the Bible, patience is not a passive acceptance of circumstances. In other words, it's not just saying, I'm just going to tough it out. That's That's not what it means. Immature people, immature people are always impatient. Mature people are patient and persistent. God wants to make us patient because that is the key to every other blessing. The little child who does not learn patience will not learn much of anything else. When the believer learns to wait on the Lord, then God can do great things for him. Listen, see, the only way the Lord can develop patience and character, patience and character, say that with me, patience and character in our lives is through trials. Endurance cannot be attained by reading a book. I cannot get into shape reading a book about exercise. I would love to be able to do that. I would buy the whole library. Say amen. I would love to be able to just read this book and, uh, hey, I'm melting the pounds away, baby. You can't. God knows this. God knows we'll never develop endurance unless we have to, we we go through stress and have to develop these muscles. Endurance cannot be attained by reading a book, listening to a sermon, or even a prayer. You say, well, what am I doing here then? Because in here you're learning how to deal with it out there. Because see, what the cool part about this is, is you may not have a photographic memory, but you're you're right. If you're saved, you're riding with the Holy Ghost. And then when that trial comes this week, he's gonna say, "Remember what you heard Wednesday? Isn't that cool? Because the Holy Spirit's gonna bring it back to your remembrance, and you're gonna remember, hey, God's working on me. That's why we come to church. Listen, we must go through the difficulties of life, trust God, and obey Him." The result will be patience and character. Now, knowing this, knowing this, that God is at work in our life, we can face trials joyfully. We know what trials will do in us and for us, and we know that the end result will bring glory to God. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Number, number three, let. Let. This is, we, we talked about a right attitude. We talked about a right attitude. That's count. Then a right understanding. There's some things you need to understand. You're not going through things haphazardly. 
You're not going through things random. Do you realize that every, this is cool right here, every single trial that you face has been calculated by God to be just right for what you need. Think about that. Every trial, every circumstance that you go through as a Christian has been formulated in God's calculator to come out for your good. Romans 8, 28. Listen. <laughs> Say amen. You've got to understand that. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that God loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine a million times over. Then, he says this, verse number 4. Verse number 4. But, what's that word? Let. You, you not only need to understand that God has great plans for you and God has great designs for you and God will work in your life, but you've got to understand God is a perfect gentleman. You, this takes a right compliance. In other words, you've got to submit to him. You've got to submit to him. R write this word down. A, submission. But let, 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 submit, allow but let patience have her perfect work. Don't bow up. Don't, don't, don't get rebellious and, and, and get, get stiff-necked with God. Let patience have her perfect work that she may be perfect or complete and entire, wanting nothing. There's got to be submission. God cannot work in us without our consent. There must be a surrendered will. Underline that. There must be a surrendered will. The mature person does not argue with God's will. Instead, he accepts it willingly and obeys it joyfully. Doing the will of God from the heart, Ephesians 6, 6. If we try to go through trials without surrendered wills, we'll end up like, more like immature children than mature adults. Hey, uh, 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 help me. Jonah. Jonah is a perfect illustration of this. He went, he did God's will, but he didn't like it. And his heart wasn't surrendered to it. So what did he do? He acted like a big baby. When he went and preached to Nineveh, and he said, God's going to destroy all y'all. Repent, turn, or burn. You know, well, guess what? They did. They repented. You know, any man that was right with God and was mature would have rejoiced and said, man, the preaching word, this is awesome. But you know what he did? He went up on the hill and waited for God to kill all of them. And then got mad when he didn't. And guess what? God saw him pouting, so he allowed, allowed a shade to grow up over him. Y'all with me? Shade him, big baby. And then he got angry at the worm that ate the gourd that had the shade. He was impatient with God. He was impatient with Nineveh. He was just, well, why? Because of an unsurrendered will. It's kind of like this. How many of y'all have those children? Uh, uh, will you take out the trash? Yeah, I guess I will. <laughs> How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? That's not, that's not obedience. Y'all with me? And see, we don't learn nothing from that. We don't learn anything from that. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying when the problem comes, okay, God, okay, I surrender. W what is it? What are you doing? We need submission, then cooperation. Cooperation. Work with God. Work with God. God cannot build our character without our cooperation. If we resist him, then he chastens us into submission. What did he do with Jonah? Sent a whale after him. Well, actually, that was the merciful part. He sent a storm after him. And they threw him overboard, and God gave him transportation. Say amen. <laughs> he resisted him. God chastened him. God got his attention. How many of y'all have ever, God's had to get your attention before? Raise your hand be honest. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Amen. He is not satisfied with a halfway job. 
God wants to accomplish his work. God wants a perfect, complete work. He wants a finished product that is mature and complete. God's goal for our lives is maturity. Write this down. Not only submission, cooperation, but there needs to be progression. This is really important. There needs to be progression. You need to see progression in your Christian life and your Christian walk. You need to see progression. Are you moving in your Christian walk? Are you, are you growing in your Christian walk? Are you learning in your Christian walk? There's three things I want you to see right here, and we've got to do it quick. We've got to do it quick. There's three things God, God works. He works. First, first is salvation. Number one, there is the work of God that God does for us. There is a work God does for us, and that is salvation. How many of y'all are glad that God saves? He does that for us. Then number two, there is a work God, God does in us. Write that down. Write that down. Number one, there is the work God does for us. That's salvation. Then there's the work that God does in us. That's sanctification. That's getting you more like Jesus. That's basically, uh, sanctification is just another glorified word for taking a bath. Sometimes God has to clean us up. Some God, sometimes God has to work on us and adjust on us and to cut on us, purge things out of our life that's, and, and, or put things in our life. There's a work that God does in us. Why? Why? Because there is a work that God does through us, and that's service. That's service. Preacher, what are you saying? The day I surrendered to preach, I was 17 years old. If God was to place me on this platform at 17 years old, it would be a horrible mess. It really would. I'd be scared to death. I'd mess this whole thing up. It would be horrible. Why? Because God has taken from 17 to 41 working in me putting me through this problem putting me through this situation putting me through this meeting and pastor's wives know what I'm talking about this issue this I have a problem all these things and the whole time I thought I was just unlucky the whole time I thought you know this is just and the whole time God is developing patience in me. God is, in, he's developing endurance in me. You know, here's, here's the thing that you can start to see if, you, if you're becoming patient. And, and trust me, I still have issues. I still have times I lose my patience and I, I, I lose my temper and things of that nature. But I guarantee you this, when I was 17 and where I'm at today is a big difference. And I find that the, the, the things in my life they don't wig me out quite so bad now. Things that I would just lose it over back then. That's why God didn't let me be here then. Why? Because God was working on me. God's saying, you're not ready yet. I I've got to let you go through this. I've got to let you go through a little bit of this fire. I've got to get go through a little bit of this time. I've got to, I've got to let, you know, uh, uh, Moses thought he was ready. And he killed that Egyptian. God said, you ain't ready. Get to the backside of the wilderness. 40 more years. It's funny. When he said, I can, God said, you can't. And when Moses, when God found Moses at the burning bush, he said, I want you to go set my people free. You know what Moses said? I can't. And you know what God says? Now you can. And you see, the trials that you're going through, the problems that you're facing is simply God working in you. Because there's something he wants to do through you. There's a ministry he wants you to build. There's a church he wants you to build. There's a person he wants you to help. There's a cause that he wants you to work for and strive for. There's a plan that he's got for your life, but he can't, he can't work it through you till he works in you. And when you think, you know, God's got a cool plan for my life. I wished I'd have learned this when I was 17. Because maybe I wouldn't have had such issues and problems and frustrations because I knew God's up to something. I'm going through what I'm going through tonight 
because God's up to something. I'm going through what I'm going through tonight because God's working in me. God's working in me. I must be pretty important because God's taking time to work in me because he's going to work through me. I don't have time to get that. Let me give you the two words. Write it down, and, and, and let me just say, content and confidence. What was the one thing he said? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men. Now, why would he tag that on to this? Why would he tag that on to dealing with problems? Because here's the deal. Look at me. Look at me. I'm already over time. Look at me. They're freaking out back there. Look at me. You got to get this. Everybody look at me. 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 Here's the deal. Here's the deal. When we go through problems, turn me up. Turn me up. Got semis going by. Listen. <laughs> Listen. Shh. When we go through problems, what do we normally, what, what do, we normally do? God, get me out of here. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. God, stop this from happening. Take this away. Fix me. Get, the, get me out of this situation. But that's not what he says to ask for. He doesn't, he, he doesn't say pray for deliverance. Pray for the problem to be set. No. He said pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. You need, to, you need wisdom so that you can say, God, why am I going through this? And when you receive that wisdom, you pass the test because you accomplish what God's trying to accomplish in you. And all God's people said, we got to pray. I see, I hear children running around. All right. Well, did y'all learn something from tonight back there, Dustin? Uh, stuff we got to work on. Amen. All right. Hey, will y'all help us pray from now till Sunday that, that, that we have a big day Sunday? Have a big day. Amen. Father, thank you for the tent. Thank you for uh, good people that filled it up. Uh, thank you that we were able to get all the chairs in here. Uh, and, Lord, we had an awesome service. And, Lord, I pray for uh, an even more awesome service this coming Sunday. God, have your will and way. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Good night, everybody.